Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Security Squad Podcast. My name is Brian Morning. I'm your co-host, along with Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. How are you, gentlemen? Welcome to another show. Good. Cool. I, I had a weird experience in the intro music again, and, and this time I was imagining Randy playing air guitar through the whole thing. Wow. Can't get it out of my head. He was. I like to sing it before when it's playing. That way I know exactly what our mission is. <laughs> contemplated what we're going to talk about. And now we're going to tell you something new. And, and you guys don't get to see it, but he likes to sing that when we're when we close down the broadcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So today we uh, we got our podcast, which is free. Uh, we don't charge for it. Uh, we don't annoy you with ads and things like that during our time together. So uh, the only fee that we have is you share the show, share it out on your social media, share it with your friends and family. Let them know why this is a worthwhile podcast that they should be listening to. Why should you listen to us? Because we educate you on things that are in the news, like cybersecurity. As we heard yesterday, the White House has come out yet again and uh, brought up the topic of cybersecurity, which we happen to be experts at you got four experts in cybersecurity on one podcast ready to break this stuff down for you and the uh the white house is kind of telling businesses in the united states get ready because uh my guess is is that things are going to escalate between the united states and russia uh over what's going on in your ukraine and one of the responses is going to be russia unleashing both their um their government hackers and then their private hackers onto basically all U.S. companies probably going to go after critical infrastructure. We're already seeing it with some food supply uh, ransomware attacks and things like that that are going on right now. But we're going to get into that today. We're going to get into specifically what businesses need to start doing inside their business. You know, we talk about these types of things all the time. Um, but there's specific things that you should be doing in your business to figure out whether or not you got somebody in there who's about to do something. So before we jump into that, we're going to cover uh, some interesting, uh, interesting cyber attacks that are happening, happening against some very big companies. And there's an identity and access management company, which is basically a fancy term for password managers and and, and two-factor um, devices and software. Um, and we're going to get into that, kind of fill you in on what's going on there. We think it's fairly interesting. Um, might be a little bit technical, but still people should be aware that how deep this stuff goes. And by deep, I mean by like how technologically deep this goes and how hard it's going to be to prevent if, some, if things like this continue to happen. Uh, and then we also have a, a pretty big company um, who got fined $500,000 for some shoddy security. And we just wanted to talk about that a little bit. The FTC kind of in the United States kind of came down, dropped the hammer on this company. And, and we're going to get into that. So um, without further ado, I'm going to share my screen here. But Randy, we got this Microsoft and Okta. And I think it's more from what I'm reading, it's more Okta, right? That's that's the concern here. Um, but Microsoft and Okta are investigating potential attacks by the Lapsus Hacking Group. So before we jump into what's going on with Microsoft and Okta, um, either one, anybody can jump in here, but Lapsus, let's just talk about them real quick. They've kind of 
been in the news a lot lately. Who are they? Uh, and what are some of the, what are some of the, what's our claim to fame? Who have they hit so far? I mean, Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, they've been all over the news lately. So, so Microsoft and Okta are the two recent ones. They were NVIDIA. And then uh, one of the other big ones that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks too, I can't remember for sure. Um, But there's a, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot that everybody knows about them yet. There's a lot of speculation. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, this particular one, Okta that kind of broke uh, overnight and in uh, this morning, um, you know, a lot of speculation going on as to, to, you know, if, this was a, a recent breach or if this was something that was, uh, you know, if they've still got access or if this was, you know, Okta came out this morning saying that this was something uh, where they're not seeing any any signs of an active compromise, that this looks like it was an isolated incident from from back in January. Um, but then there's also speculation, too, that, that they could have been in Okta for a while. And that's how they got access to some of these other big ones because of the authentication piece. Randy? You good? Uh, I think Ryan pretty much uh, covered it all. This uh, particular attack, they're saying that they stole uh, like 37 gigabytes of source code. Um, source code for Bing, um, so source code for uh, Cortana, source code, source code for a bunch of internal projects. They've leaked it um, onto a, um, you know, onto the web, which, you know, it may be that they don't have any of that and they've just leaked um, maybe they've leaked some malware and maybe they know like Microsoft and Okta are going to be like, holy crap, our data's on the internet. Oh, look, they put it out in a, uh, you know, <laughs> they put it out on the internet. Let's get it. Let's download it. Um, and maybe it does have uh, malware in it. The, the, the reason this could be a potential big deal and that this could affect businesses, you know, which is our mission in the show. How does this stuff affect businesses? We're talking Microsoft and Okta here, and we're talking source code, which means they're going to look through all of the source code and find vulnerabilities. They might find a source code that if you search a certain thing on Bing, you know, that opens up some kind of vulnerability. Like, I know that sounds far-fetched, but you never know with this kind of stuff what they're going to end up finding. So if this turns out to be real, um, it could be a really big deal. And the fact that Okta says it's a nothing burger makes me more suspicious than if they would have just said, hey, we're investigating it and we'll keep you posted. Um, so so I'm a little leery of whenever I hear that from a big corporation, um, you know, that they say it's no big deal. We, we're not seeing signs. Could be that the attackers are more sophisticated than Okta and they're all over the network and just hiding themselves. So this potentially could be a pretty big deal because so many people in business use Microsoft and Okta products. Yeah, and especially since they're saying this, what the next day after it's been reported, we always know that, you know, whenever these companies are saying something the following day that everything is good, it's also a little uh, weary to believe that. And um, Lapsus has had significant, um, uh, they've been really good because as uh, Ryan mentioned, NVIDIA, there's Samsung, Ubisoft, so they really have had uh, starting to make a track record and, and a name for themselves. So real quick, Randy, um, you mentioned so many people use Okta products. How do I know if I'm using an Okta product or not? Well, I mean, bottom line, you'd know because you'd see their name on things. But a lot of cybersecurity companies, MSSPs, use Okta for... Like you mentioned at the beginning, for identity verification, for multi-factor, I mean, 
So there's a lot of people that are using these. These are not a, this is not a tiny player. Um, this is one of the big players in the, the identity world. Um, and so is Microsoft. It's another little red flag for me because Microsoft's one of the biggest identity providers also. Um, you know, just by the fact that they have 365, and then you can use that to log in to so many things out there. I mean, it looks to me like either A, um, Lapsus is going after the keys of the kingdom directly, um, and we're, we're seeing the results of that here, or B, um, they made a big brouhaha, and they're uploading malware in their torrent, and they know Microsoft and Okta are going to download those torrents and look at them. Hopefully they're going to do it inside of, you know, a Faraday cage or uh, something that's standalone, but you never know. Um, so, so yeah, they're both identity providers and they're both really big. So that's, that's what one of the things that catches my eye. And on their website, they also, they have like kind of a client list, uh, Peloton, JetBlue, Sonos, Moody, HP. So they, they do, you know, enterprise, you know, 100, uh, Fortune 100 companies. So this is no surprise. I mean, it did like this is such a cat and mouse game with cyber defenders oh. and attackers, and you know that they're going to start attacking two factor because two factor is the thing that everybody's putting in place right now to protect themselves, right? And it's not a cybersecurity uh, industry, I guess, directive to do this. This is coming from the cyber insurance world, right? We're seeing an increase in requests for multi-factor authentication technology or identity access management technology simply because that's what cyber insurers are requiring right now right and if i read the tea leaves and i look at what the future is going to bring and i bust out my crystal ball as zero trust becomes more prevalent as insurance companies basically require you to implement zero trust at some level in order to even have cyber insurance, I'm already seeing talk in the insurance industry of insure, insurance companies who write these cyber insurance policies, the carriers partnering up with cybersecurity companies where basically you have to let them install their zero trust tool on your system or you can't get an insurance policy. That's where all of this stuff it is going and this is what people need to be aware of of what the future holds and it won't be long before attackers are trying to figure out how to circumvent zero trust which is basically right now considered the gold standard for stopping ransomware and stopping hackers so you know that's kind of the world we live in i don't know any anything else you guys want to add to this uh before i move on to i mean just just to follow up on the MFA thing too. So that uh, I got a call from uh, one of my insurance contacts yesterday and, and uh, they work with a bunch of different uh, underwriters uh, mm -hmm. and they had messages from two of them that said going forward, if uh, you know, MFA is a deal breaker, if, if a company is not using MFA, they will not write the policy. Right. Yeah. Two, two things. One, uh, our very first episode of the year, Andre said 2022 will be the year of, if you don't have MFA, you're going to get hacked. So that's been true from like the day after. Um, mm -hmm. I have used that quote so many times. Um, the, the other thing is here, it's a cat and mouse game. So right now, MFA gives you the upper edge. Um, a month from now, six months from now, end of the year, whatever it is, there's going to be something that, you know, they're going to do things like this. Um, at some point, this won't give us the upper edge, but 
hopefully there'll be something else, you know, in the path at that time. And and that brings up a great point, what you just said there. And this is something that I want to make sure that business people are crystal clear on because I got, we do a lot of net risk assessments. We do a lot of, you know, we scan and scan your environments and we let you know kind of where you're vulnerable and where you can be hacked. And a lot of time, what what we also offer is a service around that where we keep you in compliance or we, you know, we do things to make sure that you're not vulnerable. Um, Now you can hire us one time and get a point in time kind of analysis, or you can get ongoing, you know, monitoring and making sure that, you know, you, you have somebody who's looking at after your system all the time. And I am constantly getting people coming to me now where they think that they can just hire us one time, get that point in time scan, fix everything that we identified, and then they're good. But the problem is the very next day after we walk out of there, your threat landscape changes. And if you're not working with somebody who's consistently monitoring and keeping you up to date on the changes, you run the risk of becoming vulnerable the minute something becomes not effective. Meaning, like Randy said, 2FA, right? Like, what are you going to do? Who are you going to call? Who's going to give you the advice that you need in your business when MFA becomes the tool that's not effective anymore, right? But it's the thing that you think is saving your butt from getting hacked. Right. So this is why this stuff is important. This is why you need to stay in tune to it. Keep your finger on the pulse because this is changing by the minute every single day in what works and what doesn't work and what hackers are using to exploit companies and how they're being successful. So um, and as we see here with our friends over at Cafe Press, they didn't do such a good job at this stuff. And they just recently got fined by the FTC for $500,000. So what what's, what happened with Cafe Press here first? What did they do wrong? Um, what were some of the things, Andre, that, that they found that Cafe Press was doing wrong and that caused them to get hit with this $500,000 fine from the FTC? Yeah, so uh, Cafe Press is a platform where they do um, on-demand products, clothing, home decor, kitchenware. So they do all, all those type of things. And essentially, it was just a line of failures and, and mishandling, uh, mishandlings by the past owner where the FTC fined them the $500,000. So essentially, they were storing, um, and the things that we always talk about, you know, they're storing social security numbers, plain text, um, personal identifiable information, email addresses, phone numbers, just so easy that if a hacker or anybody got into their computer systems, they could just easily pull that information out without it being encrypted. And also they didn't patch um, their systems. Um, We know that one of the easiest way to protect yourselves is by just simply making sure that all the products and operating systems that you're using is up to date. So um, during this investigation, they just found that there was just no care for any type of um, cybersecurity um, at this company. They didn't follow any of the fundamentals, like is, is a really big thing right off the top. But I think the other thing to, to look at, too, is is one, they did get fined. So so there are 
consequences to this type of thing. And two, the fact that they were trying to cover it up actively just again shows you that that reputation is something that's at stake too. It's it's not just about you know fines or you know getting sued by by people whose whose data was was compromised in this. This is a reputation killer. Depending on the size of your business, like something like this making it in the news could put you out of business. You know, not even yeah. fines. Some some of the things um, included uh, social security numbers um, out in the clear, like not even uh, patched. I mean, I'm sorry, not even encrypted, um, and also password reset answers in clear text. Just and then and then it says they used poor encryption when they did encrypt. Um, it says that there was at least 180,000 unencrypted social security numbers mm-hmm. just sitting out there. Man, we had a a restaurant. Why, why would Cafe Press have people's social security numbers? Help me understand that. Why would they even have them? I mean, yeah. maybe they did some kind of background check or something like that. I mean, and then for whatever reason. Oh, you, you know what? Them. Because people can people can sell products. Yeah. So when you sell the product, they probably 1099 the people mm-hmm. that are selling. So they need your social security number if you're a sole proprietor. That makes sense. So they probably also have EIN numbers as well. Because I'm sure people have legit businesses, you know, and you know, instead of social security numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the the article states clearly that this company A was collecting more information than they really needed, and they were keeping it around for a ridiculous period of time. Right. So, and that's the type of stuff, guys, that you know, when we go in and we audit companies and we audit companies that don't have compliance, this is the kind of stuff that we see. We, kind of, we see companies that keep, you know, you may have done business with Cafe Press 10 years ago, right? Maybe you started a little online store, you sold a thing or two, and you never sold anything ever again, right? But your social security number is still in possession of this company. They still have it. They're not getting rid of it. They're not going through a process of, of cleaning their, their data out, the old data that they no longer need. I mean, most financial service regulated industries only have to keep things around for about seven years for most things. Right. And if you're keeping information like this for 10 years plus, um, you know, that's not good. It leads to things like this where a ridiculous amount of information is stolen. Um, And like if I did business with cafe press, quite frankly, I wouldn't have remembered that I did business with cafe Mm -hmm. press 10 years ago. Um, and then you're wondering how something, how your identity got stolen, how somebody's using your social security number to apply for credit or, or what have you. And it's, and it's because of a website like this. I personally think that $500,000 is not a huge fine for this type of screw up and this big of a company. I, I think the, the other thing here too, is, is we, you know, one, this is by no means an exception to the rule. So we, we see this day in and day out where, where companies are, are doing, you know, these complete lack of fundamentals, you know, at a basic level for security. And, mm-hmm. and we usually talk about these things from a, a standpoint of a business owner trying to protect their own business. But I think this is a, a good point to make. You know, when you're dealing with vendors, you need to be asking them questions about what they're doing for security mm-hmm. where you're giving over that data. So I mean, Cafe Press may not you know, give you a whole lot of information. They're, they're big enough. But you know, if you're working with a CPA, for example, who's doing the books for your business, you need to be asking them what they're doing for security before you hand over all that, that information. And uh, Randy, take this down your notebook, but I think that that's a good topic for one of our shows is talking about third-party auditing because yes. 
quite frankly, that if if I'm going to take a guess out of where most companies are failing, it's going to be that area where I would say that there's probably very few companies that do that very well, meaning auditing their partners and vendors. We've talked about that on this show before. And it's simply because it's a new thing and nobody's really comfortable with it yet, right? Nobody's nobody's comfortable with pinging their suppliers, you know, what are your cybersecurity practices? We're right now at that stage where it's just starting to kind of happen, where you're starting to see spreadsheets go out asking you like what your practices are, you know, things like that. What the recommendation is from NIST and other, you know, frameworks is that you actually audit your, you do your own audit against your partners and suppliers, especially key ones that are involved in the delivery of your services. If you're in a regulated industry, that's not uncommon language is to have, you know, an audit performed on people who supply you with goods or services as part of your business and as part of your operations and delivery. So th this is all stuff that's coming in the next probably five to 10 years. In 10 years, auditing partners and vendors for cybersecurity practices or having some way of checking that is not going to be an uncommon thing. I would imagine in 10 years, we're going to be able to streamline that. There's going to be a database somewhere where you're going to be able to go in and look at somebody's cyber resilience score, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, um, the days of having to do an audit every year is going to seem very inefficient. And I imagine somebody's going to come up with a way to score everybody just like a credit score. Mm -hmm. just like a DMB score. Here's your cyber score. Here's this business's cyber score. And everybody's going to be able to, you know, pay a small fee and look up what somebody's cyber score is. That'll be in 10 years. In the meantime, we're kind of got to do this on our own. <laughs> I mean, the blind spot for people right now is, you know, I imagine you look at a company like Cafe Press and you go, oh, well, they're a big company. I, I assume mm -hmm. they got their, their stuff together. They're taking care of this stuff. And clearly, that's not the case. Well, we'll look at all the big companies that get hit every yeah. day. I mean, that's the biggest... When, when you talk to these bigger companies, that's the number one thing that I hear is, oh, we're good, you know, because they have a budget, right? Because they spend some money on it, right? And and they get this sense that we're doing something about cybersecurity, so we must be good. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I can spend a lot of money on a lot of things, and I don't know if it's, you know, being productive or not. How do you know? Right. You got to have somebody come in and do an assessment and do an audit. So anything else you guys want to talk about with Cafe Press before we move on? No. Cool. So our next one uh, we want to get into is this whole uh, made a lot of made a lot of news yesterday, I guess. Um, the White House slash Biden has now warned business leaders. We kind of mentioned it a little bit, but warns business leaders to prepare for Russian cyber attacks. So um, specifically, they sent out the CISA director and she um, provided some comments about five minutes or so, I think, um, around a little bit more detail behind this. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, as I said at the top of the show, it seems like the U.S. And, and Russian tensions are going to increase. At least the relationship is going to deteriorate in, in the near future. 
And that's going to basically ruin all of the diplomacy that Biden worked on early on in his administration to kind of curb this stuff. It seemed like before the invasion on Ukraine that the U.S. and Russian authorities were making progress into stopping some of these private groups. But it appears that that's all going to be undone um, based on what's happening in the world today. And Biden and the White House are warning businesses to prepare. So let's talk about this, guys. Specifically, what are we supposed to be preparing for and how are we supposed to be preparing for it? So let's talk about the what first. What are we supposed to be preparing for? What exactly are they talking about here? Well, they're going to do all kinds of things. I mean, if if there's a war, um, they're going to want to disrupt the economy. Um, they're going to want to break the morale of the people. Um, because if your economy goes to even more to crap, um, if the people are demoralized over the war, then um, we're going to put, you know, we're, we're, we're a um, constitutional republic with elected leaders. We're going to put um, pressure on our leaders. So what are they going to do? They're going to do things like cyber attacks where they do ransomware, um, where they're getting key loggers, logging into, uh, putting in key loggers, back doors, logging into your 365, Basically, anything they can do to extract money from you and disrupt your business. Um, and, and I think that we need, to, we need to assume that they're already in preparing for what they're going to do if hot war breaks out between these two countries, which hopefully right. it won't. And why do we like before we jump into how, right, you said a key thing there at the end. You need to assume that they're already in there. I already stated they're, they're already here. They're already there. They're, they're just waiting for orders to, because th this is how this stuff goes down, right, Randy? They get access well before the timing of any kind of attack. So they're already in the networks that they're planning on attacking, not to say that they're not trying to gain access to more networks every single day. They are, but I've seen it. I've, 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 I've heard from a number of people who contacted us. I've seen it massively increase since, since a month ago where people's email accounts are being taken over. Um, their social media accounts are being taken over. Um, and I believe that these, these are all precursors to what's going to come in, into an attack. Right. And we could talk about all the various ways that account takeovers lead to cyber attacks on people and companies. Um, but that's really what people need to be aware of here, right, Randy? And that's what you're talking about. Like they're already in and we know that they're already in because we see the information on the backside of like how many people's accounts. Number one, we already know the attempts are, have increased, right? But, you know, I would say two weeks ago, I had a rash of Facebook messages coming into my Facebook with look who died and a link from mm -hmm. various friends. Right. Which means they were probably using a weak password that was on the dark web and they definitely don't have two factor authentication turned on on their Facebook account. Right. And these are all the people who are going to be the reason that these cyber attacks go down. Right. People who don't have monitoring or don't have any idea that somebody's logging into their email don't have two-factor turned on on their Outlook web access. So if somebody logs in, they're just in and 
they could start sending emails to whoever they want using your email account. Um, social media, same thing, right? These are the things that we're seeing. So, you know, we know that they're coming, they're, they're, they already have access. They're going to continue to gain access. So how does a business owner prevent this kind of stuff? How do we stop it? You have to be monitoring for these types of things. It's not just about putting up a wall to protect yourself and, and saying, okay, I'm good. You have to be monitoring and, and expecting that they're going to get past those protections that you have in place. There's a variety of ways that people can do all sorts of things where they're just in there watching without you really knowing, unless you're, you, you've got steps taken uh, to look for things kind of in the background. Uh, you know, something you know as simple as you know they get into your email, your admin account, and they reroute your email so it goes through their server before it gets to you. Face value, you have no idea. Like it looks completely normal, but your email went through somebody else beforehand and they're just reading it all. You know, something you mentioned, uh, you know, Facebook and, and weak passwords. Somebody has that, you know, an executive, for example, and then they use that same weak password at the office. Yeah, hey, big deal that their Facebook account got got hacked. But then if they use that same password, how hard is it to find out where they work, what their work email is, and oh, give that that password a try, and then all of a sudden you've got access. If you're not looking for strange logins or, or any type of evidence that this stuff is happening, you know, they could already be there and, and reading all of your email. You have no idea. So, I'm 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 a business owner, and I'm sitting here going, "Well, I have multi-factor, I have antivirus, or you know, endpoint, whatever you guys told me to get. Uh, we have that." Won't, will these things help me detect this kind of stuff? I mean, only about 70% of up to 70% of all attacks are file less, right. which means that your antivirus is most likely not going to detect it. Um, CISA has a list of about 11 things on there and they, you know, they include things like patching and the antivirus, but we've also got things like um, process control where where you have a set number of processes on your computer and that's all that's allowed to run um, where new stuff can't just be installed um, without permission um, you also have um, uh, auto elevation elevation um, control where you don't let all the all the users be local admins of their computers um, where your software is gonna gonna inhibit that and then make sure that everything is justified that's trying to happen. Um, you can have, you can have uh, like uh, Ryan said, you can have software that's watching for anomalies on the network. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people aren't doing. And then at the exact same time. I, I guess, I, I mean, we know that the tech, okay, the technology exists for all that, but I'm just a business owner. Am I relying on a guy, guys like you and me? and Andre and Ryan to get this stuff into my network? Or is there a way that I can do this on my own if I can't afford somebody like you guys? Like what, what's my, uh, what are my options here? Man, uh, I, I think we're past the time where a typical business owner can really do it on their own. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess they could go around manually and update the computers and have antivirus that's gonna give them maybe 25% protection you know, put on MFA, maybe that gives them another five or 10% protection, I guess, in a way that's better than nothing. But when there's an onslaught, and there's a, we know that this is going to mushroom even more than it has over the last two years, that what everybody used to do is not even not good enough. 
I, I will say, though, there are millions of people out there that aren't doing jack. Um, so they're they're definitely going to going to see something out of this. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like and that, that's kind of the reason why I post the question, because there's no easy answer to mm -hmm. this problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's constantly uh, evolving. Right. And the reality of it is and why. And, and it's kind of like one of those warnings from the White House. It's kind of like. Yeah, it's like the British are coming. What are we going to do? Right. It's like, you know, it's there's not a, there's not enough talent to fill the gaps to you know, companies can't go hire people to get the, the talent they need to be able to figure out how to run the tools to detect this stuff. Right. We're in a major talent shortage here in in cybersecurity, and it's not going to be easy for companies to find the talent required to do this. Right. And so I'm you're telling me. I'm a business owner. I can't go buy some tool, you know, somewhere online and download it, put it on my system. And that'll alert me if some hacker's doing something on my system. Right. It's, I guess, much more complex than just putting a tool on. It requires a series of tools and it requires expertise to be able to look at things in a way to determine if there's something nefarious going on inside of your network. Um, so is this feasible? Is this warning from the White House is, is what business leaders, business owners have to do in the United States feasible right now? Because right now at the bottom of this first sentence, it says telling them to strengthen their company's cyber defenses immediately. I mean, I just feel like that that's not, I don't want to say it's bad advice, it's not possible. It's not possible. Like this isn't something you can do immediately. There's a maturation process that every yep. single business will go through when it comes to security. Um, you're going to start somewhere and you're going to do things and you're going to get better. The organization's going to get better. The culture inside the company with all the employees is going to get better over time. Um, <clears throat> like telling somebody to do something immediately that take that's like you know hey randy go grab go grow some bamboo immediately like today like i need some bamboo it's not going to happen right at the same so. time though i think i think part of the struggle has has been recently too you know that that stress that security is inconvenient so so it's it's easy to push it off because it's going to be hard it's going to be a big change you're not going to be able to do it overnight or immediately, but I, I think the message needs to be, you need to start doing this now. You need to start paving that road to get to where you need to be. I'm getting feedback from somebody's mic. Yeah. Speakers, just so you guys know. Probably you, Randy. No, I haven't changed anything. I've been in the same position for like 30 minutes. I know, but it's, I think it's just getting worse. It's been there the whole time. Is it gone now? Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah. I muted my mic. So was it me? Yeah, it was you. Right. You know, here, here in South Florida, uh, obviously with hurricanes and things like that, there's over time, there's been a lot of um, progress. For example, a new home. If you're remodeling your home and you're redoing your windows, now you have to put, for example, category four windows. Um, and that's a mandate. And when you're doing your permits, they won't allow anything else. And when it's hurricane season, you have all the grocery stores, they're passing out flyers saying, Hey, you know, three three gallons of water per day per person in your household. Get canned goods and things like that. So I think it's got to be that type of approach 
for businesses without obviously the scare tactics to say, this is exactly what you need to be doing now. Um, and of course, this should have happened a year ago, but you know, this is what you need to do. So that way it can kind of be aligned and everybody knows that we're on the same page when it comes to cybersecurity and they have these check marks. Yeah, and you like to use that hurricane, you know, analogy often. And and you've mentioned it before. It's like there's gonna be a point in time where there's just not enough time to to do it, right? So right. you know, you don't heed the warnings a day before to get out of your area when they're calling for a category five hurricane, it's going to be really tough for you to get out of there. Um, so it's the same thing with cybersecurity. It's, it's kind of going to get to the point where it's too, too late for businesses to even do anything. Um, and, and unfortunately that's kind of the way that I see things going. Um, Cause I, I would venture to say, there's probably some companies that have a false sense of security because they have a certain product out there that they think is doing the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. Um, and while they probably do a very good job and, you know, the, you know, like, let's just take um, Mandiant or FireEye for a minute, right? If, um, you know, their managing detection and response service that they have is very good, but it's going to cost you well into the six figures to get that software. They only really sell to enterprise level clients. Um, part of the reason why, you know, other companies like Google and Microsoft are looking at acquiring these firms because they're already working at the enterprise level where Google and Microsoft like to play, right? That's where they make the bulk of their money. They don't make it really off of Gmail and, you know, people buying office licenses and things like that. Um, so, you know, we're, we have tools that can go out and do a little bit of this, but you're, you're a small business, you're a medium sized businesses. There's other options that are similar to like a, like a fire eye tool, but there's not going to be, um, there's no silver bullet is what I'm trying to say. There's no one thing that you're going to put on your systems that's going to get you everything that you need to be doing within cybersecurity. I, you know, I, we talk about that all the time, but I think we need to continue to talk about that because so many times I hear business owners or, or people in charge of security um, saying, you know, we got this one tool and they think they're good. And it's like, no. Nope. So Brian, anyway, you, make, you make another good point there too about, um, you know, that it, it may not stop everything. And I think that doesn't make that tool any less important. It's also important to have that data in an after action kind of situation, because in a lot of ways, we're behind the eight ball. The, these guys have been so funded uh, yep. so long that, that you know, there's stuff out there that they're able to do that we don't even know about yet. So being able to have that tool on these systems and you know, capturing that data gives us the ability to do the forensics afterwards and find and learn from it so we can stop and, and, and look for those types of things next time. So yeah, even if it doesn't protect you. It's still very important. Yeah, the way I look at things is like what I try and way I try to explain to people is like every time we lock something down and yes, lock some, locking something down from your standpoint as a business person or your standpoint as an end user can feel restrictive or can feel like IT is doing something to stop you when, when really we're just trying to make things a little bit better and secure them. I and a lot of times 
we secure things to a point to create tripwires, right? If we don't have these things locked down and maybe alerting turned on as well, um, sometimes people lock things down, but then they don't turn on any alerting or logging. And then you, you have no idea that something's actually happening, but they can't do anything, but you're not seeing the activity, right? So you get the proper alerting and logging in place, you lock things down, and this creates more tripwires for hackers to need to get over as they try to move through your network. And the more tripwires you can set up, the better. Um, and you want to have these tripwires in place and you want to have, you know, I, guys like us who know how to set these things up properly. So when, these, when they do trip these, you know, wires, somebody knows about it and then you can look at it and then that's your early detection system. That's when you know you have somebody in your network way sooner than they can do any damage. And that's 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 really the name of the game right now. So how we doing? Are we good? Good. Yeah. All right. I got to end the show. I got things to do. So appreciate everybody. Um, please remember to share out our show. And we'll see you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.